What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It gives me great pleasure to welcome you back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. A time of recording, it is 6.33 p.m. on Thursday, August 20th, 2020. And with me on the other line is the biggest Swifty I know, someone who is uniquely and perfectly qualified to talk about all things Taylor Swift, including her new album, Folklore, Amanda Stokes. Amanda, how are you? Woo! I'm good. I'm excited. You should be excited. First and foremost, I'd like to congratulate you on your uh, one-year wedding anniversary, which was on the 16th. I had the utmost pleasure of DJing your wedding, and it was a joyous occasion all around. And uh, Many onions were cut that day. Yeah, lots of tears. So, like, happy <laughs> tears. And Taylor Swift was uh, intimately involved in that day because she released her song Lover on August 16th. 2019 and here we are a year later and she has released her album folklore we are going to get into folklore shortly but first and foremost you have been a taylor swift fan from the very beginning uh has your fandom ever wavered did you get into her right away were you in what like what how did that first start oh boy uh it first started when i heard her first single on the radio and i was like wow this is really catchy i'm a big fan and that was that was her self self debut um, so songs like Teardrops on My Guitar, Tim McGraw, like way back, Yeehaw Is Teardrops Taylor. on My Guitar the first single? What was the first single that you heard on the radio? Do you remember? I believe the first single, um, hold on, sorry. My dog is barking. Mowgli? Her dog Mowgli is quite a thing. Okay. Um, the first single was Tim McGraw, but shortly after it was like, um, teardrops on my guitar and and everything so it was kind of her self-debut uh uh, album and that really got me um so then i was a fan and then i was like okay well this is cool yeehaw taylor um we like a good country artist i was big into country at that point living on the farm and then when her second album came out fearless uh i was like oh i remember this girl that was you know the girl from before and i started um, I started hearing a lot of flack, actually, which was interesting. Mm. I started hearing a lot of criticisms of her. And I was like, why? I think she's really fun. I love these songs. I love to just like go dancing and whatever. Went to her concert. It was fantastic. It was the, the Magical Rain Show. It was at Gillette Stadium. And it started pouring rain. And she it was the first stadium that she had ever played, ever. And it started pouring rain and she was convinced that everyone was going to leave. Everyone's going to hate her, but no one did. And we all danced and it was called the rain show. And now it's like a big thing in the fandom. So that was really fun. No one left. But ever since then, um, I've been a huge fan. Uh, it has not wavered. Definitely did not waver, uh, in 20, you know, the, the dark times we will talk about what the reputation era before the reputation era. So when she took a, um, an extra year off in between 1989 and the year right before. That's right. That's when it was. So uh, 1989 is 2014, and then or is it 2015? 2014, 2015. But then there was like a year of touring, and then but on that year that she was, I mean, because she was releasing albums steadily every two years ish, um, she would have done another one, but she just went completely like deleted all social media, and that was a dark day for me. <laughs> I was really upset, and I didn't know what was going on. Um, and the whole phone call thing, like I was always Team Taylor. The, the phone VMAs, call, the, the phone call Taylor. with Kanye West, for the record. Yes, yes, 
and as you know, and as listeners of this podcast know, I'm someone who, uh, who's Kanye West is my favorite musical artist of all time. So the fact that we've been coworkers and good friends and I DJed your wedding is a testament, not only to our friendship, but to the fact that, um, Kanye and Taylor have both been great in their own ways. And unfortunately, uh, Kanye has ceased to be great, uh, almost entirely the last handful of years. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say is 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 the cons have outweighed the pros for him for for a number of years. So may, whether whether or not he won that battle with Taylor, it seems like Taylor is is going to uh, outlast Kanye in terms of musical output. So like she's because she's still kicking and Kanye is running for president, but not really. But that's but neither really. here nor there. We're not yes. going to talk about Kanye today. That is that Perfect. is all that is all but, the Kanye yeah. that's going to happen in this but podcast. My point is like I obviously watched the VMAs and I was like, wow, she didn't deserve that. And then the whole, you know through the whole phone call, the the thing that really stuck with me about her is that she was so able to write songs exactly what I was feeling at every single age that I was feeling it so like in high school when I was bullied real bad she wrote a song called mean about like her bullies and then she like loved her mom it just the parallels were always right there and I mean she's our age she's a little bit older than me um but not by much right she's a shade under 30 right she just she turned 30 on December 13th all right okay she's 30 we call it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of things that we were going through, it was the same. And her, her storytelling has always just really, really, really pulled me in. Um, she's, I mean, I don't think that any of her fans would say that she's the greatest singer of all time. Right. Like she's not an Adele. She's not a Beyonce in terms of like singing, but she's not bad. Obviously, Mm -hmm. obviously she's not bad, but her strength really lies in storytelling and her lyrics and being able to connect and write things that like really stick with you. I got cheated on in high school. She had a song like picture to burn. I'm like playing that stuff over and over and over, like just things like that. But it's just been a really wonderful ride and it has my fandom has not wavered and it has <laughs> continued and it's only gone up and, and you're you're wearing you're wearing red lipstick right now you've got your autographed lover single or is that the cd yeah yeah signed by taylor and you've got your taylor swift through the eras t-shirt on you came prepared for this podcast uh folklore came out uh what did came out when it came out Ooh, the August actual- 18th it came out yeah. really they came out two days ago. Uh, no, the Lux no, 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 oh, no, 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 that's not true. I'm looking. Well, at I can go right back now. in my photos because. <laughs> but but it came out uh, the last the last two months or so, and I will tell you the exact time it so, came so out. It, it it came out in the the last two months. July twenty third at Thank eight a.m. So it came out July twenty third. What were your expectations going into that album uh, on the heels of Lover? I didn't have any. I had zero expectations. Because, because it was a no, surprise album? Because no one knew it was coming. Because she had ju- I mean, it hadn't even been a year of Lover yet. So I was still like in the Lover era. And we were doing all the Lover things. And I had tickets to go to Lover Fest. Where I was going to be in Section A, Row 11, Seats 1 and 2. But, you know, <laughs> because of COVID, we had to postpone that. Which, that is the safe thing to do. But I'm a little sad so I just figured that you know it would be postponed and whatever I I had a feeling that she would be writing in quarantine for sure because you know everyone's 
at home, like this would be a perfect time for her to write. And she always writes things about what she's going through. Mm. Um, so I knew she'd be writing. I did not know that she would be writing, recording, producing, and putting out an album at the same time that I made banana bread. But here we are. <laughs> good good banana um, bread, I hope. So I had, yeah, so I had no, oh, I've mastered it. Um, I had no expectations. So the <laughs> thing is, and also all of her releases are at like midnight or, you know, just it's it's always very calculated and with all the easter eggs and she likes to have her fans guessing which is part of the fun about it there was a whole debacle before lover about the five holes in the fence but we won't get into that <laughs> fans know what i'm talking about um but anyway i was lying in bed probably watching some tiktoks or something like cuddling the dog at like seven in the morning and i get notifications every time she posts on like instagram and twitter and stuff Mm. and um, those notifications are how I got this signed booklet, by the way. So I got a notification that she posted a photo, and she hasn't been that active on social media. And all of a sudden, so I, I click it, and she starts, she first posted a, a picture of some trees. I was like, that's weird. That's not her normal aesthetic. Like, what's going on? And then every like every minute there'd be a new picture of trees and I'm like what is going on here like something's happening what's going on and then like literally you can see right here I took a screenshot of her Instagram like I was when only four of the trees had showed up like it, I was like what is going on and then at 8 a.m she posted the last one and, and was like hey guys new album tonight at midnight and let me tell you the sound that came out of my mouth was not human I'm pretty sure Harrison ran in because he thought I like shattered my femur or something. Like it was like not normal. I'm glad you did not shatter your femur. The in the history of Taylor Swift's albums, most of her albums, I think you would agree with this, are summary albums. They're summary. I don't know if reputation is. If 1989 is a summary album. 1989, I would say summary album. Lover, Red summary album. Red is a fall album. That is fall. That is put on your scarves. It is it is fall time. Like, let's get a pumpkin spice latte. So it, it it is very interesting to me that Taylor Swift released an album in July that is a definitively fally album. And she put yeah. from from the album cover to the to everything about all of the songs sonically, the way she sings it. It is a late October, November. Uh, the sun is going down at 5.30 p.m. Sure is. I can't album. wait to listen to it then. What, do you think that she intentionally released the album in July so that it ages better as it goes? Um, well, she kind of answered that question in her, in her post talking about it. And she, what she said in her post uh, where she announced the album, basically, she said, there's a lot of things this year that um, I didn't expect to happen. Obviously there's a lot of things that had to be pushed back and moved around, but something I didn't expect was making this album. And I, I was trying to figure out when I wanted to release it, but then something kept telling me, if you're happy, just put it in the world. And that's what I'm going to do. So here's my album. Like it's coming out at night. So she kind of answered that question. So she was just like, I wrote it, recorded, produced it. Like, I really like this. It's really resonating with me right now. Let's go. 
it struck me as something that is going to grow on people uh, as the months go by. But according to you, Amanda, several people who are not necessarily Swifties hit you up saying that they liked the album. Why do you think that is? What about folklore gets them that other Taylor Swift doesn't? I think this album, I mean, besides not being like so poppy, it's definitely not a pop sound at all. Um, Regardless of, I mean, I like every genre genre that she's done for sure. I'm obviously I'm a huge fan, but I think that sometimes one of her criticism is like, oh, it's just, you know, this girl and her lyrics are corny or catchy and it's too boppy for me. Um, This is really, really stripped down. And I think that it's a time in our lives right now where all of us are at home and all of us are in our feelings a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of this is just really hitting home with a lot of people for those reasons. It's just, it's all about the storytelling and you're at home and you're in your feelings and she's in her feelings. And it's just another big connection there. You have listened to the album. How many times do you like it more or less than when you first heard it? Oh my God. How many times have I listened to it? Uh, uh, Several dozen. Yes. Many. It has been essentially I can't even think of anything else I've listened to since <laughs> July 23rd. I don't know if I've listened to anything else. I'm really struggling to think if I've listened to even the radio. I don't think I have. So she comes so, out. Yeah. All right, no, go ahead. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, so to answer your question, I absolutely loved it on first listen. Um, but I think that it takes a couple listens to really appreciate it because on first listen, obviously your adrenaline is going and you're like, wow, I love it. New Taylor. Right. But all of the Easter eggs. And then you can start to see how the songs connect to other songs. And then once you get the full picture, then it's like, she's a genius. What's the paint? What's the painting she's trying to, to, to paint here, Amanda? Is it as overarching? What's the overarching narrative of folklore? Um, again, she kind of answered this in her little, um, like the album notes, but she said that, again, everyone's kind of in this period of just being at home. And a lot of times when you're at home, you start to reflect on things, reflect on things that have happened, what you could have said, what you did said, uh, old loves, new loves, old situations. You just start reflecting because you're home and not doing anything. And this is when she wanted to sit down and write from the perspectives of different, you know, just going back and looking at different relationships, looking at like reflecting on them, writing stories that she hadn't written before. Like not, this is the first album where she's written, not necessarily from her perspective. So everything she's done previously is like about her life. It's like opening up a diary, but this album, there's a lot of stories that are not about her life, but it's still stories that she wanted to tell. So I think that that kind of hits it right on the head there. Uh, this video for Cardigan, uh, and Cardigan is the lead single, and it went number one. And mm-hmm. Taylor Swift is the only person who can have a song that's not a club banger be number one, I think, at this point. I don't know wh- who else. In the early days when you and I were kids, there were occasionally a ballad, Hey There, Delilah, or something would be number one. Yeah. That Those days are long gone. But Cardigan goes number one. She sets all kinds of Billboard records. Do you like Cardigan? I do. Do you do do you get 
does does it bother you at all that it is insanely derivative of Lana Del Rey and it feels like Taylor doing a Lana Del Rey song? No, I don't think so. Um, I I mean I like Lana Del Rey, right? Um, but I I I I think that artists should be free to experiment with their sounds mm-hmm. should be free to, you know, kind of do their own thing. And, and that's something that Taylor has excelled at. I can't think of a single other artist who has changed genres and been successful completely. Like she was completely country. Then she was like country pop. Then she was completely pop. And now it's alter like the fact that she is allowing herself to can like, if she finds a sound that she likes and she wants to try it, I think that's great. And obviously she's successful at it and I really like it. So I don't, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Out of the 16 tracks. And I think Taylor's albums are generally pretty big, which is another 17 tracks. The deluxe version has this song, the lakes, but I'm talking about the album version. The, 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 the on July 23rd, what got released was 16 tracks. Correct. Uh, Do you have, a track or two that has uh, risen to the top. Ooh. Because I... It changes. Re- I realized what the answer that, to that question is for me. Although I think that the... the can I exi- guess what your favorite is? Sure, oh, you I was going to guess Exile. Exile, yeah. Exile is, is sort of on... Is uh, viscerally your first couple listens. That's the best one. I'm also a sucker for when people sing over each other at the end of a song. Um, yeah. Bon Iver is great at... It's also interesting because Bon Iver, I don't know how often he sings lyrics that are not his. And clearly Taylor wrote that song and he's just singing those lyrics. And that's, that's always something that interests me. It also does one of the absolute staples of Taylor songs is the way the melody drops down when she says, um, so who am I defending now? The way she, the way, the way she does that uh, uh, a ton uh, across all of her albums. And so it's almost uh, a familiar, it, it, yeah. it, made, it, made, it made me smile to hear it. But the song, listening to it right before we uh, did this podcast, I was like, wow, the best song on this album is Peace. Uh, love it. Absolutely love pe- it. Peace? Absolutely peace? love it. Peace? I could talk uh, all day about it. You just what? I said I could talk all day about that song. I, that's, that's one of, I would have to say, my favorite changes every time I listen to it, depending on what mood I'm in, but peace is de- like definitely top three for sure. If not the first one, I, I, I'm kind of talk about it. What is she talking about in that song? Uh, this one. So this one I believe is about her life. I believe it's about her life with Joe, her boyfriend who she's been dating for almost four years now. Mm-hmm. Yay for her. We, we love a happy queen. Um, but he, so he, for those who don't know, he is a British actor and he's definitely been in movies. He's known, but he's not as well known as Taylor. And there have been, like she has said in several secret sessions meetings that she's been so afraid because people have used her. You know, she has this record in the media of like dating all these boys or whatever. And she's been very afraid. Like anyone that she dates is not going, she can't give them peace because if they're with her, like the paparazzi is always going to be hounding them. People, her fans are going to be hounding their social medias. Like it's not going to be peaceful. So it's about her, her anxiety saying like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I can't give you that peace. Is that still okay? Are we still going to be okay? Because 
I can't give you that because of how, you know, how crazy my life is. It's a song that is, uh, has this subtle groove to it and it goes and it goes and it goes and it stays the same level. Is there any part of you? Cause when you hear a song that starts like that, uh, part of you, uh, having grown up and listened to songs expects a rising action and maybe a crescendo. I like Would that it have, doesn't. You like that it doesn't. I like that it doesn't. Um, another piece of the song that I love and that I don't think is talked about enough um, is the little like <laughs> in the background, which kind of gives you a subconscious feeling of not having peace. Like there's always something there and kind of just like and it's, mm-hmm. it's so it's kind of interrupting that piece within the song talking about you can't I can't ever give you peace oh it's so like genius <laughs> <laughs> I think that is I mean it just completely it's exactly how I feel if I'm feeling those anxious things and I related to it very quickly um especially with you know having a lot of anxiety about different things and Harrison is always just like the sweetest husband known to mankind. Shout out to Harrison. Shout out to Harrison. But I'm kind of just like, ah, 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 I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And so it kind of like is it, it's about her life, but it's something that you can connect to yours right away. And I'm a big, big, big fan of that. Do song. you, do you think Taylor has reached a point in her career where she is at peace with, uh, who she is as an artist? Cause I don't know if she's always felt that way. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that she hit that uh, with Lover. Actually, you know what? No, I think that she hit that um, when she was touring Reputation, not when Reputation came out. Because everyone kept saying, like right before Reputation, obviously everyone hated her. It was like the cool thing to do to hate her. And when she put out Reputation, she even said this too in her kind of behind the scenes, she felt like a wounded animal just like lashing out. So she had to get it all out of her chest and it was very cathartic but then when she was going on tour everyone's like it's going to be a flop tour no one's going to go you've changed too much people are hating this new sound it's going to be terrible but then when she got on tour um she said in the miss americana doc that that's when everything changed for her like she was just like i am here and i am back and it doesn't matter and you know you want to call me a snake great i'm the queen of snakes let's go and um so I think after that was a huge turning point for her. But then obviously her music got sold to He Who Must Not Be Named. Um, that was a big hit. But at the same time, she was just like, you know what? Fine, I'm going to rec- re-record all of my old albums. And I'm so I think that once she started touring Reputation... Who was it? Was it Scooter? So she, it was owned... So Big Machine Records, um, the guy who owned Big Machine Records, his name was Scott Borchetta. That's right. Okay. Scott Borchetta sold her music to Scooter Braun, even though he, they have had lengthy conversations about how much she didn't like him. And he's just not a good guy, which he's not, he's not a good guy. Um, Yeah. Scooter. We don't like Scooter. No Scooter's allowed. Was he, was he Kanye's manager at some point? Yes. Yes, he was. (laughs) And Justin Bieber. And And, yeah. And And it just keeps going. mm -hmm. And Uh, yeah, she, she she sold her. No, she didn't. Scott sells her music to Scooter, even though she didn't want that to happen. And then she, yeah. they basically blackmailed with her with it. So Scott said before he sold it to Scooter, he knew that he was going to sell it to Scooter. He didn't tell her he was going to sell it to Scooter. And he said, "All right, 
I'll give you your music, but you can earn your albums one at a time. So she'd have to make another album to get her first album back, then make another album to get her second album back. And she was like, I knew that he was going to sell it, didn't know he was going to sell it too, but I didn't want to put my future music at risk with being stuck with whoever he sold it to. So I had to make the decision to leave my music and go somewhere, which was heartbreaking and no artist should do that. Um, and sh she's owned up to it. She was like, you know, I was young. I signed this deal, you know, as my responsibility. Um, I just don't want, I want other artists, upcoming artists to like really read your contracts. And like, if you can get out of something like that, like get out of it. Like, I didn't know that that happens behind the scenes. And I don't think a lot of other people knew either. So what are another, another couple of highlights for you on, on folklore? Um, invisible string. Yeah. I, 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 was so cute. I was like, I was like, I was like, that's, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mad woman, feminist anthem of my life. Yes. Love mad woman. It's, it's, it's good. I am, uh, someone who, it probably what, hits different for me than it does for you. <laughs> I would say as a, as a fella, it probably, it's, it's nice to hear, um, people speak passionately. Uh, I think that Solange came out with her album in 2016 and did her song mad. And I think this is sort of Taylor's version of that. And not, not that they're at all the same song or even talking about precisely the same things, but yeah. just, just a takedown of the mad woman archetype. Yeah. Um, and I really liked in Lover how she did it like in a funny way with the man. Mm -hmm. Like that was a really satirical form of it. And she was like, yeah, this is funny. It's catchy. Ha ha. This is fun. And now she's just kind of like, okay, actually like, let's get real serious about this. Like, this is not, not cool. Um, but other songs. So Mad Woman, Invisible String, Peace. I love um, My Tears Ricochet. Is my least favorite song on the album. <gasps> Well, I can get that. Other than, other than Cardigan. <laughs> I, think, I think the backstory has a lot to do with that. Okay, so what's the backstory of My Tears Ricochet? So, well, first of all, it's track five. And track five, for those of you who are not Taylor Swift fans, track five on her album is kind of like her most emotional album, or her most emotional song on the album. And it's kind of the one that hits the deepest. So songs like All Too Well, all you have to do is stay delicate. Um, they're all track fives. And it's kind of just like a thing that she started subconsciously doing. And now just, you know, she knows that she does it. So she kind of puts the, the most emotional, hard hitting, hardest songs on track five. So track five going in, like, you know, it's going to be emotional. All too well to track five, huh? All too well, which is held up by a lot of people, both Swifties and non-Swifties as the best song she's ever done. True. I, I, yeah, I, I have no idea if it's truly her best song. It is very good. Anyway, that's, but to track, I did not know that about the track yes. five thing. That's so a good track number. five. Yeah. So track five is like the hard hitting emotional one. The song, My Tears Ricochet is about Scott selling her music out from under her. There you go. The scooter. And knowing all of what she's had to do, you know, with all the label and, and all the frustrations and, and everything that's gone on for her to sing about that. And for her basically in the song to say like, I, you know, I can't go home. My home is gone now because you took it away. You sold it. And I can't, you know, I can't go with grace. So I had to speak up. I had to say something, you know, you want to fight, let's go. Because what I'm doing, like, it's just going to ruin you too, because 
you did this horrible, horrible thing to me and I trusted you and it's, oh, it's heartbreaking. But yeah, that's, that's about her music being sold from out, for him, out from under her. And that one really gets me as a, as a Taylor Swift fan for so long. Yeah. The, but also Betty, what a bop. What Betty? a bop. I love so, it. That's I, I, just I, so fun. I thought you said this is the album where she went away from bobs. But yes, no, but I, Betty I, I, is, I agree about it's that. It's like a country bop. It's like a harmonica bop. It's a yeehaw bop. And do you think that Taylor is going to do, because obviously music musical artists are faced with some just unprecedented challenges with coronavirus. Do you think she's going to come up with some way to perform these songs for her fans, uh, for folklore? I actually think that that works out because the songs in folklore aren't necessarily ones that are, it's not exactly shake it off in terms of playing it for in Gillette stadium in front of 60,000 people. It's not about getting people bouncing up and down, but if she did massive virtual concerts, that is, and she was on a small stage and performed a bunch of these folklore songs acoustically, that kind of works out. That yeah, maybe that's I, the best way for I her to perform these songs. I don't think that that is out of the realm of possibility, for sure. Um, I know that this time, um, during the Lover era, she did say that her mom has relapsed with her cancer diagnosis. Um, and that's the reason why there were only she was only playing four shows for lover and that is not normal for her normally she goes on these massive like you know u.s and worldwide tours and lover was the first time where she basically said there were there were two shows two at gillette two in los angeles and then like a couple um international but not many and that was the first time she'd ever done that and she kind of said i have to stay home right now like if there's a choice like i'm staying home with my family that's what's most important to me right now like i can't I can't commit to two years of my life just being on the road. It's just not going to happen. So, and obviously we don't know exactly what's going on with Andrea. Um, Obviously we hope that it's um, working out really well for her. Hopefully she's doing better, but I think that's one of the reasons why she's been kind of quiet and not doing like these virtual concerts that a lot of other artists have been doing throughout quarantine. I mean, I think she was writing too, but I think that, in addition to all the stress of everything, I think that there's a lot of family stuff, unfortunately. Um, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I don't know what's happening in her personal life, nor do I really want to try to dig, mm-hmm. obviously, because it's very personal. But I think that, I, I mean, she'll definitely do something. It's just kind of when that'll be. Is folklore, uh, I mean, I don't even know if it's uh, the right thing to do to ask a Swifty to place folklore uh, a month after it's come out. It's your favorite Taylor album ever? (laughs) Is this, if I asked you a year ago whether Lover was your favorite Taylor album ever, would you have said it was your favorite Taylor album ever? Um... No, actually. Okay. I do really appreciate Lover, and obviously that song... Uh, like will forever love lover for sure. There's so many songs that I absolutely love, but um, red is still top tier for me. And then um, I just, I love reputation, but again, it kind of has to do like, I, I love going back to what I said earlier. Like she has rebranded herself and come out with new facets. Like even her, if you look at her three, you know, 
categorized pop albums. One is 1989, super summer, super pop. The second one is Reputation, very dark, very like angry, nighttime city. And then you have Lover. So all three are very different. So you can, you know, if I'm in a really like, I'm going to get the world today, like you listen to Reputation, it's great. So much serotonin. But no, um, Folklore's Folklore's I think it's I think it's the best one that she's ever done, for sure. But I... It's Red. funny. I, I apologize for cutting you off, Amanda. I've I've listened to, you know, Taylor's albums a handful of times each, and have listened to 1989 the most because it's the one I've gone back to the most. Yeah, uh, and, love it. And <laughs> and I think I think you're right. I think it's the best album she's ever done. Uh, and I think that's across the board too. Like all everyone at least that I've talked to, I mean, the lyrics, the stripped down, um, I just think there's so much maturity in it. Um, it feels so authentic. Not that the others didn't feel authentic, but this just really, and it might just be because we're all stuck at home and like really in our feels and this is really in your feels. Um, but I, I really think it's the best album that she's ever put out. And is she it, did it in four months. Yeah. Which is, is insane. I I felt like this podcast was uh, in order to celebrate the things that you love about Taylor and that the people who love Taylor love about Taylor. I do. There's there's a whole other pod where we have more of a discourse, not an argument, but discourse about the things that people dislike about her. I would want to prepare for that a little bit more. But I think, do you think that one of the reasons that she is more comfortable with who she is now is because she's okay with the unprecedented amount of attention and flack that she's going to get for everything she does. And she's learned how to take that in stride. I've always compared, and I, this is, I don't know. I've always compared Taylor Swift to Hillary Clinton <laughs> because there are, two, there are two women who have been in the spotlight for a long, long time who get, I think uh, flack for being icy and inauthentic when maybe what it what appears to me to be they have become they they there at least there were periods of time where they were very calculated about everything they did because they were wary about the backlash they would get it feels like taylor has moved past that would you agree that she's sort of moved past definitely calculating the things she does because of she, she even have you seen Miss Americana on Netflix? I have not seen. I've 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 passed it over while I'm browsing. I do oh. highly recommend watching it. Um, she talks about all of that. So she even said herself, like I, you know, I wish I had done this, but everyone that she had talked. So okay, starting in her country roots, she really looked up to the Dixie Chicks. The, the Dixie Chicks. chicks. The chicks now, but before <laughs> it was the Dixie Chicks. And, you know, one of their members said something about George Bush, and all of a sudden they were canceled in the biggest way that anyone had been canceled up until that point. I mean, not, not ready to make nice. I remember that. Yeah. So, well, they said, you know, that thing about George Bush, and then people were, I mean, it was just a nightmare. So her label, Big Machine, for her entire life was you have to be the good girl. You can't challenge, you can't get political. You can't do this. Don't be like, don't be like the Dixie chicks. You can't be like the Dixie chicks. Like you cannot do that. So you have to sit here and you have to take it over and over and over and over. And now that she's kind of out from under them and has grown up 
and a lot of like she's just gotten so much flack for for things that are just unfair in my opinion um mm-hmm. like one of the major criticisms um way back in the early days was oh well you know you didn't deserve to win album of the year because you definitely didn't like it was it was the other people that wrote those songs you didn't write them even though she did so then she was like okay well you don't think i write songs she wrote speak now by herself she was the only only writer on that entire album so it was just her life was filled with trying to prove people like people who kept saying things about her she was like all right now i'm gonna prove you wrong and do this and now i think she's just kind of like i'm not even gonna waste my time trying to do what you say i can't do i'm just gonna do what i want to do and what i love to do so there's definitely a maturity thing there for sure she's definitely grown up accepted everything especially going through what she did couple of years ago um but also just getting out of that label and getting out of that mindset like okay I have to be a good girl I, I can't talk about these things even though she really wants to but she goes into that um pretty extensively in Miss Americana doc do you have yeah. oh I fear myself echo <laughs> um do you have uh hopes and Wishes. I mean, I obviously you're gonna. I feel like you're gonna support Taylor in whatever she does, and and as are a lot of Swifties and a lot of fans. I think a lot of people are casually. I think a lot of people casually disliked Taylor, and now they casually are fans or casually rooting for her, which is a nice shift. Yeah. Uh, I think I, it was my, a cool thing to do to hate her. Like a lot of people hopped on the bandwagon of hating her when everyone was hating her, um, but now. On on some other pod, Amanda, we can discuss the, the whether or not a bunch of those reasons people had for disliking Taylor were justified. I don't feel like I'm as, uh, as knowledgeable about Taylor as somebody like you, but that's that's again, that's a whole yeah. whole different thing because I want to celebrate the things that we like about her and that are worthwhile. Yeah, so I, I of, definitely of which there agree. are a lot. Um, I definitely think. But is there is there a particular hope you have for her in the next year or two? Uh, whether it's musically or in her personal life or something that you hope for her? I just want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. Really, I do. Um, in the documentary, she said she said something really sad. Um, obviously, this is before folklore, but she was kind of bringing up how, you know, male artists aren't expected to change everything about them, but female artists or female people in the public eye you know, are constantly being pulled to, to find different facets, but, but not, you know, but, but only find ones that we, that we like. And, you know, you, you, you can be different, but not too different, but only in, only different in a way that we accept or we like. And then she said, you know, by the time you're 35, you're like cast out in an elephant graveyard, I believe was the exact phrase that she used. Um, and trying to just find different ways. So she said, you know, I'm, I hope that people will still tolerate me being successful. Um, so I just want her ironically to find peace. And I think that she's there and I think that she's going to be successful no matter what, obviously. But if she decides that, you know, eight albums is what she wants to do, I don't think that'll be the case. I think that she's always going to write music and I will always listen to it. Um, but I just want her to just be happy. If she yeah, wants to give us music, great. But I mean, obviously, I would ad- adore more music. But I don't want her to feel constricted. Like, oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to release this new album. Oh, it has to be this type of album. I mean, obviously, she's changed 
several times now. Um, so if she wants to do a rock album, I think that would be really cool. She has done and performed different songs in a rock style that I think is really cool. So I'll support her. Yeah, I would love to hear. I mean, obviously she doesn't have the same, uh, as we were talking about pipes as somebody like Lady Gaga or Adele, but if she did some rock songs, I feel like she's capable of carrying songs like that. That'd be fun. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I don't think that she's done. I think there's gore, there's more music um, to come because that's just what she, uh, I think it's what she knows how to do that. She yeah. knows how to take her life experiences and put them to song. So I'm glad that, uh, after some mild disagreements that we've had about Taylor, that we both very much agree about folklore being a, a, a really good album and a worthwhile listen to people who haven't listened to it yet. And oh, yeah. an, an album that's going to keep you warm through the colder months of the year. Um, I, I really am, so pumped that you came on this podcast yeah, and I, would, I, I think that you should be back not only to talk about Taylor, but to talk about other um, releases that you like and perhaps walk us through how to make some banana bread as someone who doesn't know how to make it. I don't know. Ooh, uh, maybe, maybe that would have to, maybe that would have to have a video component with visits <laughs> from uh, your cat Artemis and your dog Mowgli who are superstars. Um, I'd be happy to. Amanda, do you have anything to say to, the people before we go, whether it's Swifties, casual fans, Taylor herself, not that she'd be listening. Oh my God, Taylor herself. Oh, you gave me a wedding song. Um, no, just, I would say if you're not typically a Swiftie, um, listen to it with an open mind and enjoy. Don't be afraid to get in your feelings. Um, enjoy the stories woven between them. I think that's a big thing. Like, Cardigan, August, and Betty are all connected. It's a teenage love triangle. Um, the mad woman stems from them selling her music, but she becomes a mad woman after she bought the house from Rebecca in Last Great American Dynasty. Like the storytelling is just immaculate. So enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Amanda. For Amanda Stokes, I'm AJ Rose. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on Fighting Fire with Fire. As always, you can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire at soundcloud.com slash fighting fire with fire. Email us, ajroadshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the AJ Rose Show. We will be back shortly to talk about uh, the NBA playoffs and maybe about <laughs> Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and that whole kitten caboodle, that whole barrel of laughs. But for right now, uh, Amanda, say bye to the people. Bye, people. <laughs> Thank you so much, and we will see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.